After an hour or so of the usual questions, I was caught off guard. Why don't you say what you've been really thinking? Trying to have my surprise, I admired Mr. Thomas' candor and keen sense of observation. It was true. I didn't give a damn about this interview. I was going to be leaving the network shortly after anyways for a better job. It was the eve of my 40th birthday. I had two mortgages and canceled dinner plans. Instead, I was spending the night interviewing a serial killer. Maybe that's your dream, but I could tell you with the utmost certainty it wasn't mine. What do you mean, Mr. Tomlin? A twinkle came and went from his eyes. I mean, why don't you stop wasting both of our time and ask the important question? I've only got a few hours left to live, you know. I met his gaze. For a moment, he struck me as a taller, thinner version of Hannibal Lecter. Was I afraid to ask? Sure, as afraid as anyone can be when confronted with such evil. But there's a very thick plate of glass between us and two strong enough guards stationed on opposite corners of the room. Still, I was tired of pretending. He was right about that, at least. Okay, you win. I motioned to the cameraman to take a break outside the room. I pulled my chair closer, his face maybe four feet away from mine at this point, and even though there was a barrier between us, we were able to hear each other perfectly. Making no attempt to play nice anymore, I put my cards on the table, so to speak. So what kind of sick fuck eats people anyway? I paused for a moment before continuing. I mean, that's what you wanted me to ask, right? You happy now? Yes, Mr. Thomas said. Yes, I am happy now. He grinned wildly. I saw that his teeth were perfect white, that resembled the purest ivory. They looked sharper than they should be. Or was that my imagination? Well, since you asked, I'd be glad to answer. It's not exactly something you could see yourself doing, is it, Mark? Eating people? No. Can't say there's any situation where I'd find myself eating a guy. What about a girl? He asked quickly making no attempt to hold in his laughter. Before I could express my disgust with him, he continued, I'm going to share a little secret with you, Marky boy. Oh yeah? I said sarcastically, humoring him by leaning in closer. Yeah. He said more seriously, What if I told you that before this interview is over, that you're going to develop the taste just like I did. Did you just say, the taste? And then Mr. Tomlin winked a single time, and my vision went black. In fact, everything went black. When I finally came to, I ran to the door. My eyes were still mostly failing, and I could only make out slivers of shadows around me. I slammed my hands against the steel frame. Let me out! I screamed, feeling more terrified than I had ever remembered, but not completely sure why. At that moment, the door did indeed open, and my vision began to return enough to see the horrified look on my cameraman's face as he spoke. Jesus Christ, Mark. What the hell hap- His voice stopped as he looked from my eyes down to my shirt and hands, and as chance would have it, that's when my vision returned fully. My chest, arms, and hands were almost completely covered in blood. Oh my God, I said aloud as the world started to spin faster and faster around me. The two guards' bodies were stacked, one on top of the other, directly in front of the glass where I had spoke to Mr. Tomlin. 
The old man was standing perfectly still, never having escaped from his side of the room. A wide grin frozen over his face that stretched ear to ear. Mr. Tomlin never said a word. Instead, only made one small act. He sat back down in his chair, cocked his head to the side, and nodded. I blacked out completely then, but my insanity continued even into the darkness. I swear I could hear him whispering to me in my dreams. That was almost two years ago now. I'm approaching the eve of my 42nd birthday. Things are a bit different, you could say. Instead of mortgages and dinner plans to worry about, I don't have much stress about that anymore. In fact, I spend most of my time reading. They allow me a small garden to tend to, the one condition of my plea deal. Exceptions aren't usually made for people such as myself, so I guess I should consider myself lucky. Life is simpler now. Some nights, I find myself sitting in silence, thinking of Mr. Tomlin. Long dead by now, but still somehow, all the more alive in the darkness of my mind. But that's not what you really want to know, is it? You want to know if I still have the taste. Well... Due to the circumstances of my conviction, while unlikely, it's still possible that I'll be brought before a parole board at some point. Maybe even get out of this place one day. I guess you'll just have to keep wondering. So first things first, my name isn't Joe. I'll get to that. Two days ago, I moved into an old Victorian house on the edge of the city. I had gotten an amazing deal due to some type of death having occurred here recently. The realtor didn't want to go into details, but I was fine with that. I wasn't a superstitious man. That might be changing. The house has been great, except for the fact that the lights will flicker from time to time. Last night, they went out completely. I grabbed a flashlight and headed down to the basement. I had been in such a rush to purchase the home at a great price that I realized I didn't even know where the fuse box was. Scanning the basement, I found no sign of it. Then I noticed a wooden closet I hadn't seen before. The thick oak door was locked tightly, but luckily I had a set of keys from the previous owner. After trying a handful of them, the right key clicked into place and I was in business. Opening the door, I saw the fuse box on the wall above an old table. I tried different switches and then suddenly the power came back on. When I pulled the old chain that worked the light bulb above me, what was on the table came into view. It was crowded, but one thing stood out. A dusty Pikachu doll sat staring at me. As I took a step closer... I also noticed a series of papers next to it. Chuckling, I wondered if the previous owners had forgotten the little fella. I wasn't one for Pokemon, but I'll admit this thing and the smile on its face were adorable. Now, this is where things get interesting. As I picked up the series of papers next to the doll, I started to realize that they were letters from the previous owner. What follows is an account of those letters. I'll let you decide what to believe. My name is Joe, and I am a doll. It wasn't always like this. I had a life once. I had a middling attractive, somewhat loving wife. I had two children, a boy and a girl. 
They were pretty good despite the fact that they never cleaned up their toys, shoveled the driveway when it snowed, or held the door for old ladies. Kids, right? You get my point though, I haven't always been a doll. I don't remember how I died, but I'm pretty sure someone killed me. After death, not everyone can recall their last moments alive. I'm not sure what happened, but I do remember when my heart stopped beating. I was living life to the fullest one moment, then the next, my soul was floating around, bumping into everything in the room. Would you even call it a soul? I don't know the correct terminology, but whatever I was, I was weightless and floating. Floating, floating, floating. After a few minutes of cheerfully bouncing off dressers and ceilings, I happened to glance down and notice something strange on the ground below me. There was a dark, perfectly circular hole opening up in the wooden floorboards. The hole was slowly growing in size, I realized, and I watched acrid smoke billow up towards the ceiling. That's strange, I don't remember there being a hole there, I thought. Suddenly, a blinding bright red light poured out from the hole and bathed the room. As I worked to regain my sight, I heard the murmur of voices. I listened as the damned called out to me. Join the damned, Joe. Join us. Uh, yeah, no thanks, I said, rubbing my eyes and doing my best to navigate away from the red lights and yelling. I've never liked loud noises, especially when they are associated with the screams of the damned. So anyway, at the same time all of this was happening, another strange sight was unfolding as well. I looked out the second floor window and began to watch something miraculous. The clouds began to part, and through the clear blue sky I could see a beam of light start to shine directly down into the room. I looked up through the tunnel and was lost for words. It was so beautiful. Though far away, I could see the spirits of my friends and family that had gone before me. Even my dog Barky was up there. Seeing my childhood dog was enough for me, and I knew at that moment where I was meant to go. I pondered what life was going to be like for me now in heaven, quickly running through a list of people I hoped not to see up there, when all of a sudden I began to feel myself float slowly off the floor and towards the light. Well, here goes nothing. I hope Fred didn't make it to heaven, I thought, when something happened that I should have seen coming. I tripped. One of my loving children had neglected to clean up their toys again, and this time it was going to cost me eternity with Barky. As I began to spin out of control and towards the hellish screams and the hole below, part of me looked forward to explaining to my kids that this time, their laziness might literally damn my soul for all eternity. See what happens when you don't pick up your toys? Daddy goes to hell. I looked out and started spinning away from the black hole and towards my daughter's room. Even though I was dead, all this spinning was making me a bit queasy. I was wondering if I was going to throw up ectoplasm or something. Then it happened. I caught a glimpse of the two new dolls my eight-year-old daughter had just blackmailed me into buying her the day before. Looking over at me in the department store, she had calmly stated that if I didn't buy her what she wanted, she would scream for exactly two and a half hours. 
Maybe it had been the thought of an extra half hour of screaming, but I gave in and succumbed to her demands of terror. The first doll was a strong-looking green hulk with bulging muscles and a look that he's not to be trifled with. The second was one of those, what do you call them? Pokemon? Yeah, I think that's what they are. Well, all I know is the Pokemon one was bright yellow and had the most ridiculous smile on its face. I was thinking about how stupid it looked when I blacked out. Apparently, you have to be very careful when floating towards the light, because even the slightest mistake can change your fate for eternity. The next thing I know, I'm awake and staring at the ceiling of my daughter's room. It was all just a strange dream, I said, getting to my feet. Strange, though. This room seems bigger than it used to be. And Jesus Christ, that spider over there is humongous. Wait a tick. Why is my arm yellow? Now, what are the odds that out of all my daughter's things, my soul would happen to bounce into one of those goddamn Pokemon? My little legs ran quickly over to the mirror on the wall as I silently prayed that my worst fears weren't going to be realized. Please don't let me be trapped in that stupid-looking doll, I thought. I stood at the mirror and almost blacked out again as I saw what was now my reflection. To think, two hours ago I'd been drinking a beer and living life to the fullest, and now I was a yellow Pokemon doll with a ridiculous smile forever on its stupid looking face. Maybe hell wouldn't have been so bad. The voices had sounded friendly at least. Well, I spent the first few hours beginning to come to grips with my new situation. I could move around freely, although I had roughly the agility of a teddy bear. My wife and children came home a few hours later to find my body laying on the cold wooden floor. I watched as my children cried earnestly, and I wondered if I had been there for them when they needed me. Oddly enough, my wife Margaret barely even seemed to notice that I was dead. Maybe she's the one that murdered me. I guess time will tell. I stayed with my children in their rooms for the first few months after my death. It wasn't as bad as you'd think, actually. My daughter would hold me close as she went to bed, and my son even played with me sometimes. I can talk, for the record, but choose not to. I figure talking to my children will end up one of two ways, and both turn out very badly. For now, I'm still figuring out what's best for them. A smiling yellow doll suddenly talking and telling them it's their dead father hasn't seemed like the best idea as of late. I pretend I'm just a doll, and I look after my children the best I can. Sometimes I'll finish a math problem they have, or even whisper some advice after a bad day at school. I only do these things as they sleep, of course. Things continued like this for a while, and Jack and Emma are now 9 and 10 years old. I slowly grew to love living in their room seeing a deeper side to my children that I'd never even noticed when I was alive. I now had a chance to listen to their thoughts and hear them talk about their big dreams and little tragedies from day to day. Now, this is where the story really begins. Last night around midnight, I watched as the window slowly creaked open to my children's room and something came in. I couldn't make it out 
but it was taller than a man and its eyes glowed pure white. Before they could scream, the thing waved its clawed hand and my children fell into a deep sleep. It walked over slowly, then paused as it reached the bed. I think it was deciding which one of them to take. After a few dreadful moments, it reached out its long arms and chose Emma. Anger built up inside of me at this evil thing and how helpless I was to stop what was happening. I thought about fighting it, but I'm just a doll, man. This, whatever it was, was some evil creature of the night. In my current state, I didn't have a chance. Be that as it may, though, I wasn't about to just let it take my daughter. Before the thing could pick her up completely, I quietly stowed myself away in the soft blanket surrounding her. Leaping out the window hastily, the evil thing flew into the night. I could hear the rhythmical flapping of its wings as I clung to my daughter. I was beyond terrified that it would drop Emma, but all I could do was watch. After what seemed like hours, it landed in a dark set of trees and made its way on foot through the thick brush. Trying hard to memorize our route as we went, I watched carefully as we approached a series of caves. I couldn't see in the darkness, but after a few more minutes I felt it lay my daughter on the ground and leave. I've tried waking my daughter, but nothing has seemed to work. She is in a deep, deep slumber. I don't know when the spell is going to wear off and I don't know what it wants, but I don't want to wait around here and find out. Even though I'm just a doll now, Emma is still my daughter. I'm going to save her somehow. I have to try. After a short while of thinking, I knew there was no way around it. I was going to have to speak to her. Maybe then she'd wake up. If it worked, it was going to be interesting trying to explain things to her. I took a deep breath into my little tiny lungs, got closer, and screamed as loudly as I could into her left ear. Probably not the best idea. Emma screamed louder than any little girl has ever screamed, jumping up and curling herself against the wall. Emma. Emma, it's me. It's dad, I said. After a moment, I could hear her words reach out to me in the darkness. Dad? Yes, honey, it's me. But before I could continue, she interrupted by walking closer and screaming again at the top of her lungs. Dad, there's something moving on the floor. Well, honey, that's the thing. Now, I was hoping to wait till you were older to have this talk, I replied. Time seemed to stop as she put two and two together. You're... you're Pikachu? She asked, bewildered. No, sweetie. I'm one of them Pokemon, I stated calmly. My daughter continued to stare blankly, and I began to fear she was going to fall into a confusion coma or something. Emma, sweetie, I died. And then before Daddy could go to heaven, I tripped over one of your toys that I told you to put away, and I ended up in this Pokemon doll. And then I stayed with you and your brother and watched over you. And then an evil monster with wings came into your room and cast a spell on you. And then I hid myself away to protect you. And then he set you down in a cave. 
And then I screamed really loudly into your ear. And now you know Daddy is a Pokemon. Make sense now? She shook her head. Okay, do you remember the monster that took you out of your bed? Emma nodded yes. Well, honey, he's going to come back, maybe soon. I need to get you out of here, I said. Dad, can I just ask you one more question before we go? I nodded. Why didn't you ever tell me? My heart sank. I didn't want to scare you, I replied, reaching my hand up to grab hers. I watched as my daughter thought it over and then took my hand. Maybe something told her it was me after all. Though it was pitch black in the caves, my current body seemed to provide just enough light for us to see. We silently made our way through what seemed like a labyrinth, hoping that we hadn't made too much noise earlier. Maybe the thing hadn't hurt us after all. I could feel the light breeze of the wind up against me, and I think we were almost near the surface when we heard something. It sounded like the soft crying of a child, maybe a boy. I wanted to keep going, but I felt my daughter tug on my hand. No, Dad. We have to go help whoever it is. We can't leave them down here, she whispered. As I stared up at my daughter, I realized she was a far better person than I was. I knew the crying might be a trick, but I also saw courage and determination in her eyes. I would try not to let her down this time. Okay, honey, but let's be careful. It might be a trick, I said. As we followed the sound of the child, suddenly a large cavern opened up in front of us. Under any other circumstance, the sight would have been breathtaking. The walls and ceiling all around us were covered with some type of crystals. Every color you could imagine shone and blazed forth. It was beautiful, but we had no time to stop and stare. Had the crystals not lit the cavern, the next step would have been our last. The vast room in front of us had no bottom. A narrow bridge made out of the crystals seemed to almost float from our feet to the other side of the cavern. The boy was at the end of the bridge. His crying had stopped as he'd seen us approach, and now the three of us stared at each other. I would never have let my daughter cross something so dangerous, but before I could tell her to stay put, she was halfway across and headed towards the young boy. Pushing my fear of bottomless caverns aside, I rushed to catch up to her as we stood together in front of the boy. His hands and feet were bound. As we fumbled with the ropes, he spoke. Who are you guys? He asked. My daughter answered back. Well, I'm Emma, and that's my father now, I guess. I waved up at him. Your dad is Pikachu? He asked Emma politely. But before either of us could respond, we heard it. The monster had returned. Looking across the shining bridge, we stared across at the thing that had taken my daughter. It towered over us, and its pale white eyes seemed to cast a new color upon the room. I put myself in between the children and onto the bridge. Stay back. Maybe I can distract it while the two of you run past, I said. 
I watched as the thing unfolded its wings and began to smile. A row of red teeth far too large for its mouth were illuminated now, and I knew there was no way we could get past the creature. Then, suddenly, I heard the soft voice of my daughter behind me. Dad, don't you understand? You're Pikachu now. I looked back at her. Daddy, you can kill it. Honey, I'm just a doll now. I don't have any real powers. I replied sadly. Emma smiled down at me. You can do it, Dad. I knew it was crazy, but what did we have to lose? Okay, Emma. I'll try. Tell me what to do. The little boy spoke before she could reply. You have to say it, he said. Suddenly, the creature unfolded its wings completely and began to hover above the bridge. I could hear the same rhythm of its flapping as it smiled and came closer slowly. Say what? I asked. Emma spoke quietly. You have to say your name. You have to say Pikachu. That's how it works. Pikachu? I asked curiously. No, Dad. You have to mean it when you say it. I looked back over at the creature as it made its way towards my daughter. You have to believe. As I looked from the creature back to my daughter, I felt a tiny flicker of hope. I took a step forward onto the bridge. Something began to change inside me. I could feel the beginning of electricity begin to surge. It seemed to flow through the ground, up into my tiny legs and into my entire body. My eyes began to shine brightly. Pika. The beginning of the spark. Pika. Sparks began to fly all around me now. The creature stopped smiling as my eyes glowed white. Pikachu! For a moment, I really was Pikachu. Thunder shook the cavern around us and fell down onto the creature. It cried out in agony as electricity made its way through the thing's body. And then it fell. It fell far into the endless cavern below. As it did, the three of us hurried across the bridge and towards the breeze we had felt earlier. We made our way up into the light of day and into a forest of dark green trees. It took us hours and it seemed there was no end in sight when the sound of cars could be heard. A road. I looked back towards Emma and the little boy. I don't think we can tell anyone, I said. Emma stared down at me. What should we say? She asked. I thought for a moment. Tell them the truth about being taken, but never tell anyone about the creature you two saw. Tell them a man kidnapped you, and you never got a good look at him. The two children nodded back at me as the three of us stood together one last time. I reached up to Emma as she took me in her arms. 
we stepped back into civilization. It turns out that the little boy happened to live a few streets over and the two of them became close friends. I was glad my daughter had someone else who knew what happened. We returned home and I continued to watch over my son and daughter. The only one Emma ever told the truth to was her brother, who actually took me being a Pokemon rather well. Things went like that for a while, and then I started to notice a change in myself. Each passing week had made my body weaker, and I began to understand that I was dying. First, it became harder to walk. Emma was creative, and she gave me a large candy cane from the Christmas tree so that I could balance better. It helped for a little while. Then it became harder for me to speak. I wouldn't be able to talk for days at a time, and I was unsure when I would lose the ability completely. One night, I sat my children down on their beds. I... I, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here. I'm so sorry I wasn't a better father. Don't be sorry, Dad. You saved me. Emma said, fighting back tears and forcing a smile. I could feel the beginning of tears myself as I asked the two of them to help me to a small table. That was the last night we spent together, laughing and playing cards like family. After the two of them fell asleep, I sat down at the tiny desk and thought about all that had happened. Then the lamp went out. We had been having problems with the electricity ever since we got back home. I didn't want to wake the two of them. They needed a rest. I grabbed my candy cane and headed down the stairs, slowly sliding down them one by one. I continued down the basement steps until I found the closet where the fuse box was. Pushing a small stepladder over, I was almost to the top when I felt myself slip and fall into a cardboard box that was wedged out of sight. Hours passed, and then days. The fall from the ladder had taken what was left of my strength, and I could no longer walk or speak. The hardest thing I've ever been through was hearing my daughter and son cry the next few weeks as they looked desperately for me every night, as they searched for their father but they never found me. After a few weeks of searching, their mother must have decided that they would no longer be able to live in this house. Maybe she thought that the memory of their father passing away here was just too much for them. The house grew quieter. I don't hear any of them anymore. Time continued like it always does, and one night during a storm... I began to feel myself fade away. I could sense myself floating up like I had before, and things happened the same way. A bright tunnel of light shone through the wall and up into the sky, and a sense of peace made its way through the room. But this time, there was no black hole under me and no bright red light. No screams of the damned could be heard. There was just the light. My soul made its way upwards, and I was just about to enter the tunnel when something unexpected happened. 
I bounced off an old water pipe. Not again. And that's where the letters from Joe, the previous owner, end. I'm not sure if this whole thing was some kind of joke, and I wasn't able to get in touch with his daughter Emma to verify the truth of any of what was written. Maybe there's no truth to it at all. But there's just one more thing. Before leaving the closet, I noticed something else I hadn't seen before. A brand new Iron Man doll sitting against the wall on the table. Smiling, I propped open the door and headed back upstairs. <laughs>